Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. Cosmos Country. On this week's episode, I will review the Cosmos 2-0 victory over Valencia of La Liga. I will be joined by Omar from Magic City Soccer, a Miami FC supporter podcast, to look ahead to the Cosmos' first fixture of the 2017 fall season against Miami FC at MCU Park this Saturday night. It should be a great matchup. The 2017 Spring Champions versus the 2016 NASL Champions. We have some transfer news as well. Juan Arango is back. And some news on Giovanni Savarese. There was a rumor. There was a quote coming out. And we have a statement from the club um, to deny those fake news like some people were saying on Twitter. So let's just get into the show. The Cosmos, they traveled this past Saturday. They had the week off uh, in between the spring and the fall season. And we played Valencia of La Liga in Saskatchewan. It was a great day. It was named uh, Soccer Day in Saskatchewan. This city is a football city, Canadian Football League. They love that sport. They don't like soccer too much because they don't have a team to call their own. There's going to be a Canadian Premier League starting in 2018, and that should be very exciting to watch from the outside in U.S. soccer looking in. I know a lot of people in Canada that are excited for that. And maybe we'll have a chat with someone in Canadian soccer that's so passionate about the sport there. Talking about the Cosmos and Valencia, it's always great when the Cosmos get a chance to play great competition. And we played Al-Halal FC in Saudi Arabia. We played Ibar last summer in Las Vegas. So the Cosmos are very attractive when it comes to international friendlies and traveling across the world playing great clubs. We went to Hong Kong one preseason, and that's the power of the Cosmos name, the Cosmos brand. The best part about this match is that we took it seriously. And I know a lot of people would say, it's a friendly, John. Why do you care? And the reason why I care about this match and why I'm putting more time into this review is because when you see the International Champions Cup and you see the Galaxy playing Manchester United or the Galaxy playing a big team in this tournament and they put out their reserves. So you have Manchester United having their brand new signing, Lukaku. Then you have Martial. You have all these great players on Manchester United. They put out a side that they probably would put out in the Premier League. And they're playing MLS competition that put their reserves. So they're showing the world that they're not taking this too seriously. We're in the middle of our season. Who cares? 
But you have fans from around the world that are watching this match. And that's where they make fun of MLS. They're like, they're no good. And then they try to compare them to English football. Some people say, well, MLS is League One. MLS is the championship level. But the Cosmos went out there. And I know we have a break in between the spring and the fall season. But we went out there and we played hard. And we put a great show on for the fans in Saskatchewan. And probably Valencia was shocked as well. So Eric Calvillo got on the score sheet first. Uh, He scored the first goal of the match in the 53rd minute. Calvillo, he's a teenager, 19 years old. And the score against Valencia, it was very exciting. And you can see how happy he really was. And then in the 76th minute, Eugene Starikoff, his shot was blocked by the Valencia goalkeeper. And Emmanuel Ledesma just fires in a rocket of a shot into the back of the net. 2-0 near Cosmos. Valencia couldn't answer back. The referee blew the full-time whistle. The Cosmos won 2 nothing against Valencia. Great match, great day. And there was so much excitement around this match, and I'm so happy that the Cosmos won the match. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The most important part that I can take from this is that the Spanish fans from Valencia watching this match saw that the Cosmos take every single match seriously. If it's a friendly If it's a U.S. Open Cup match, it doesn't matter where on the field to put on the best show, to put on the best performance, and that's what we did against Valencia. So let's turn our attention to the fall season. The Cosmos are going to host Miami FC this Saturday at MCU Park. Miami FC, they won the spring season, and they're going really far in the U.S. Open Cup. They're going to play FC Cincinnati in the quarterfinals, so that should be a very exciting fixture for them. Uh, But for the Cosmos, Miami FC, they embarrassed us once already at home. That was our first home match of the 2017 NASL spring season when we lost 3-0 at home. But the following week, we went to Miami and we beat them on their turf. This time around, the Cosmos have Juan Arango, who joined the club. This is a great time for me to return to the Cosmos after winning the title last year. One can only feel fortunate to wear this jersey again. I look forward to step on the pitch and help the team in any way I can. He scored 15 goals last season, 7 assists in 29 games all last season. So if he can replicate half of that this season, if he can have that impact in the fall season, then I think we could go far this fall season. I would love to see Juan Arango play against Miami FC. There might be some visa issues and he has to have that clearance from the Federation. So I don't know if he would get it in time for the match against Miami FC. I know Giovanni Savarese never likes to just throw a new signing in there. When we talked to Lucky a couple weeks ago on First Team Podcast Extra Time, I asked him that he's joining the team in the middle of the season, and he responded by saying, I'm used to this team. I know the players. I know Giovanni Savarese. And I think Juan Arango is going to have that same impact. He knows the coach. He knows the manager. He knows the coaching staff. The core of the players know Juan Arango. So I think it's a great match. It's a great fit for us going into the fall season. We need some new blood. We need uh, some more fight in this team. And I think Juan Arango is going to bring that. So this weekend, I think it's going to be a very tough match for our New York Cosmos. If we can score first, we're playing home. Let's dominate the match. I hope Giovanni Savarese uh, picks the best back line. Ayose, Ryan Richter, um, David Ochang. In the spring season, our back line hasn't been the best, but I hope 
that we come out strong and we score first. We don't give up too many goals against Miami. If we get on the score sheet first and dominate the match, we're playing home at the end of the day. So we're not uh, playing away where we have their fans. We're playing at MCU Park and we have the five points. We have everyone being the 12th man in the stadium. So I think that's going to help out the Cosmos. But if we can score first and if we can dominate that match and our back line stays strong, stays compact, then I think we could beat Miami FC. And that's what we have to do to have a great fall season. We can't drop points at home. We can't lose against Miami FC, who is, in this season, one of the best clubs. Hopefully, Lucky gets a start in this match. Juan Arango, like I said, join the club. Hopefully, he gets a chance to get some minutes in this match as well. So, that's here from Omar. Let's get his thoughts on this fixture. I'm joined with Omar from Magic City Soccer. How are you today, Omar? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. So let's just talk about the end of your spring season. Uh, you won the spring season, and it was very interesting because you played uh, the Deltas. You needed to win one of those matches, and you did, and you were the spring season champions. And I think you beat them like 7 nothing, right? The first game was 7 nothing, uh, a home match to secure the spring season title. Um, and it's funny because... We, everybody talks about how the Premier League scriptwriters are so good about having games scheduled at certain times. And, you know, the NASL scriptwriters had it perfect. What are the odds that San Francisco Deltas and Miami will have to play a back-to-back home-and-home fixture yeah. um, in order to decide the championship at the end of the year? Like, nobody thought that would be a possibility at the beginning of the season. And it's really cool the way it went down. But did you want... It to go down to the end of the season, or did you want to win that one at home and just like be over with it? I mean, from a fan perspective, nobody really wants the game to go all the way down to the end of the season. I think <laughs> you would want to like clinch the season as soon as possible, eight games in, just go eight and zero, knock it out, and make sure that you you know mathematically win it right away. Yeah. Uh, especially with ambitions for open cup and you know other possibilities to get players minutes that they aren't going to get otherwise. So, you know, I don't think anybody wanted to go down to the end of the season uh, because San Francisco's a good team. You know, yes, Miami beat them 7-0 and then 3-1 in San Francisco, but that's not the San Francisco Deltas team that has played everybody else. That's a team that's imploded upon themselves, and I strongly believe that they're going to come back in the fall season and try to make some noise against Miami. Yeah, and I think the league probably wanted it to go down to the end um, because oh, for sure. as a neutral fan, you can like get all the hype out of that one. Oh, my God, that's it's going to be on being sports now. And talking about the Premier League, I don't know if you know, but like they changed games for the TV. Like uh, They changed the days mm-hmm. or the times or whatever. I just saw that the Jacksonville Armada, they changed uh, a game or two for the TV, and I was like, oh, God, we're becoming like the Premier League can change games to get the most interesting games to the mass market as possible yeah that's the best thing that you could do for the league standpoint because not only does it help out the teams that are playing but it gravitates the league to another echelon and allows that league to be seen by people who a live in cities not near the league or b cities that may want to enter nasl in the future so let's just talk about the match this weekend uh the first match of the fall season at mcu park the 2016 NASL champions, New York Cosmos, versus the 2017 spring season champions. Uh, the first time you guys played us this season at MCU Park, you guys beat us 3 nothing. We called it an embarrassment. Uh, we got embarrassed on our own turf. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again. But what are you looking forward to in this match? Uh, I think the key to this match is to see how 
Miami responds after being away for two weeks. Um, you know, it's one of those situations where you know, soccer may be the only sport that the longer time you have away from the sport, uh, the worse the worse your team gets in the sense of rest and rehab, etc. There is a sense of being too rested, you know, in soccer. And in this case, you know, it's going to be how does Miami FC come back? What's the chemistry? And also, really, how does Nesta manage his team? Because Wednesday, the Open Cup uh, quarterfinal against Cincinnati has to be played. Yeah. So who does Nesta trot out? Which will be the starting 11? And will you see the A team out there or will you see the B team out there? And I think that's going to be very telling as to how the game goes. Well, at least you guys have the chance to not put out that full squad out there. Uh, because you guys already secured uh, a spot in the championship, but you want to fight in the fall season. You just don't want to give up every single game. Yeah, I don't think Miami has the mindset that they want to drop any points on the fall season, honestly. From my conversations with people at the club, they are gung-ho about winning the fall season also. They're not going to sit here and roll over lightly or kick any games lightly. So will you see maybe some substitutions in the game to give guys extra rest if, the game's out of hand, you know, either way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you see it. But I think the most important part is that I strongly believe Nesta will deploy the A team starting 11 and, you know, say, hey, you guys have had two weeks of rest here. It's time to get going. Yes, we'll have potentially, if we beat Cincinnati, four matches, in, you know, about 10 days or 14 days or so. Uh, but this is something the professional players, the professional athletes, and about the depth that Magic City Soccer of this club, and it's time for the depth to show up and, and get points. Yeah, and talking about that U.S. Open Cup match midweek, it was supposed to be played a couple of weeks ago. It was a weather delay. It just got postponed to uh, this Wednesday or next Wednesday. It's very exciting because as a Cosmo supporter, and I don't support Miami FC because I know a lot of people might get upset. Oh, why is he rooting for Miami FC? But it's a win for the NASL, right? Because as far Miami FC gets, the NASL is like, oh, yeah, we're better than USL or we're better than MLS, right? So um, that's why I was so excited when you guys beat Atlanta United and uh, Bruce Silverman's call was really great. Oh, it's in the net. It's in the net. <laughs> it was great. It was really great. I was, like, screaming that night. It was very exciting because I experienced – the Cosmos beating the Red Bulls, the Cosmos beating NYCFC on penalties, and like you feel like you can beat anyone on the day. Uh, so FC Cincinnati, in my opinion, you should just beat them every single day, but you just can't take them lightly. They beat Chicago Fire. I mean, yeah, absolutely. They were they were able to blanket the fire, which I think is the most impressive part in the sense that you somehow shut down Schweinsteiger and Nikolic in that game, and they didn't score. Mitchell DeBrandt the Cincinnati uh, goalkeeper came up so big for that club time and time again um, to the point where that game shouldn't have even gone to penalties because Cincinnati was judged offside on a bad call by the assistant referee. Um, but that being said, you know, Cincinnati got out of Miami a couple weeks ago without a loss. They didn't have their full roster. They had a lot of guys that were hurt that didn't make the trip. And they got away with one to you know leave Miami and not have to play that game. You know, we'll see what happens here in a couple of weeks because Cincinnati's schedule has been pretty, you know, bulky. I know they played Valencia a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. uh, and that's why we're not playing the game this week. Um, and they have a weekend game, I think, on Saturday or Sunday before they come down to Miami again. And you're coming to Miami now in August. It's hot. It's 95% humidity. More than likely, this game will kick off above 85 degrees, you know, on the temperature scale. 
So, you know, Cincinnati's going to have to come out and, and fight and deal in an atmosphere and a climate that they're not used to. Uh, and these guys at Miami FC train in consistently. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that game plays out, especially now that Cincinnati is a little more recuperated. You'll see their full-strength lineup um, because we know what Miami's going to put out. Miami's going to put out their starting 11. Miami's going to go for it because, you know, we talked about how Chicago, if you host at Chicago, it's a win-win. If you lose, you still won because you sold out the building with Bastian Schweinsteiger in it. And now you have the same scenario with the Red Bulls, where even if you lose the game against the Red Bulls, and nobody wants to lose down here because everybody wants a chance at the Open Cup, and, and that's Cinderella's story. But if you lose that game, you're selling out Ricardo Silva Stadium because it's the Red Bulls. And uh-huh. everybody knows who the Red Bulls are. You know, even the most casual soccer fan knows who the New York Red Bulls are because, you know, they go back to the Metro Stars days, etc. And you possibly have a chance to play Bradley Wright Phillips, Sasha Clushton, guys that carry names and weight in this country. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. But even if Miami can get past Cincinnati and they lose against the Red Bulls, it's a win-win for that club regardless. But the fans listening to the show right now would say, can you please beat Cincinnati and go beat the Red Bulls for us? <laughs> Listen, like I said, nobody wants to lose that game. Everybody wants to make sure that we take care of Cincinnati. Cincinnati is going to be a tough game uh, for Miami because they're going to want to sit back and, and you know, park the bus, play 11 guys behind the ball. Um, and I, I strongly believe that, you know, if Miami sneaks past Cincinnati and they play the Red Bulls, now you've got a match. It should be exciting. I think the biggest question in that match is going to be how – Potentially, how can Miami defend Bradley Wright Phillips? Because very few teams have an answer for him. And if he were to play a full 90, how much havoc is he going to cause on Miami's defense? Because he seems to cause havoc in every MLS game every weekend. So, you know, that's going to be the big question. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right now, we got to, you know, worry about the Cosmos and how to prepare for, you know, Lucky, who just came back to the Cosmos and a couple other guys. And, you know, the Cosmos always give Miami fit. These games have either been really close or they've been blowouts where either team hasn't played their best game. So the close games are, are, are dangerous for either club. Both teams want to get the three points here. Um, and, and kind of figure out how to best game plan with, you know, keeping a block on the games coming in the future. So are you looking forward to see uh, Juan Arango on the pitch? Juan Arango on the pitch? Yeah, he just signed with the Cosmos. I was not aware. I've been out of like this like soccer bubble recently for the last couple of weeks since we've been off the air because, you know, being the off season and everything else, I have notably not kept up as much as I should have. <laughs> yeah, like see, I think this time around this season, it's been very exciting. Like the break, Cosmos are playing Valencia, North Carolina was playing Swansea. So it was a very exciting uh, week off uh, for the NASL. Those friendlies get massive headlines worldwide for the NASL. Um, so let's just end on this point here. Your owner, Ricardo Silva, he walked into MLS office, right? Hopefully you saw this <laughs> news piece right here. He walked into MLS office and said, okay, Don Garber, uh, we're going to give you $4 billion, and you need to implement ProRel, and that deal was going to be for 10 years. That broadcast deal where he would uh, have the rights and he would just sell it to other broadcasters around the world. I just want to get your thoughts on that, supporter of Miami FC. I like Ricardo Silva. I have so much respect for him. I want to talk to him. I emailed Miami FC, and what I got was he's out of the country, um, and we can't interview him. So uh, what are your thoughts on that one? 
No, I completely understand. I, you know, one thing, I wasn't aware Juan Arango was 37 years old. How much do you actually expect him to play, though? <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of this. I wasn't aware he was 37. I just did some quick Google as you were talking, and I'm like, wait. Like, I understand he was a Golden Boot winner. I get that. But come on, man. Last season, right? Let me just give you this stat right here. He scored 15 goals, 7 assists, in 29 games last season. So I don't think I he's going to have that impact. But Yeah? Yeah, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. You know, it's actually a scary combination that you guys are putting in. You guys are putting a push uh, towards the fall season. And, you know, hopefully, best-case scenario for the league, and I think for both of our clubs, is if you guys can win the fall, host that one semifinal bid, and we'll host the other winning the spring, you know, it sets up that, that super showdown uh, that, you know, is just going to be the best of every sporting rivalry. You know, New York versus Miami doesn't really get much better than that when you're talking about sports in general. Imagine that final. Imagine that. Hopefully it's at MCU Park, no. but it'll probably be at Ricardo no. Silva. No, none of, none of that at MCU Park. Come down here. Let's come play in a nice climate. It's going to be October, maybe early November. You know, it's going to be nice weather. It'll probably be low 80s, high 70s. None of that freezing cold stuff up there. And it's so hot down there. Your home jerseys, they look plasticky, no? They're actually, uh, they're, I don't know how to explain it. So I actually own the away kit and the home kit. And the away kit is a lot more breathable, a lot more of that polyester stretch material. The home kit is very sturdy, like tight-knitted, a lot like the Nike style. No, I hate uh, those, yeah. kits that don't stretch at all. You know, most of these guys may weigh 180 pounds soaking wet, and they got to run, you know, 90 minutes a game. So it's pretty incredible, uh, their stamina, given the humidity and everything else. But back on topic, uh, Ricardo Silva and the um, the $4 billion deal. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's, a crazy, it's a crazy number to throw out there, and I think uh, part of me wonders if Ricardo Silva knew the entire time that there's no way MLS accepts it. So it doesn't matter how big of an offer he threw. It's it doesn't matter. What he does is that he pushes the narrative and the story of Pro-Rel. He pushes the narrative of, okay, I just offered a league $4 billion, and they said no soul on the principalities of Pro-Rel. All of a sudden, you know, Pro-Rel becomes this conversation, and they're going to have people falling on both sides of the sword about, you know, whether or not MLS has something to hide, this and that, et cetera. I don't want to get into a pro-rail conversation because I see what happens online when people have your conversation and how toxic it gets. Ooh, um, no, but yeah, the other okay. part of me thinks, listen, you know, Ricardo Silva Stadium has come on the record and said previously that he has no interest in MLS. He has no interest in, in, in a league where, you know, contracts are owned by the league, salaries are set a certain amounts for certain players. He doesn't want that. He has the money to fund a team in a non-salary cap setting. And... At the same time, not a lot of MLS owners have that ability to compete toe for toe against the billionaire as in Ricardo Silva. So, you know, I understand Don Garber's decision. You need to, he's much like Roger Goodell, right? He worked Mm -hmm. for the owners of MLS. His decision is in the best interest of the owners of MLS and nobody else. So, you know, if you have one or two owners in MLS saying, listen, I can't compete if we're going to go down this way. If you have a team, you know, a lot like, you know, I'm trying to think who's at the bottom of the MLS right now, but let's just throw out the New England Revolution as an example. A team that has attendance problems, a team that consistently, you know, while they can kind of, you know, start on the edge, things like that, they have problems, you know, 
staying relevant and, and challenging for titles, what happens if they have one bad season and they up all the way at the bottom? You're going to tell me Robert Kraft is going to be happy being relegated to the NASL? No, he's going to lose his mind. And he's united much in the same category. So you have a lot of owners and a lot of teams that were bought in during one idea. Mm-hmm. And it's not really fair to all of a sudden switch the whole plan on them at the time. So I understand Garber's decision. $4 billion is a lot of money. But his job is to represent the owners of MLS and... In that instance, you can't really get mad at him. And I know we don't want to get into this pro-rail debate, but I just want to just say this point, uh, is that there's owners in MLS that probably have the money, uh, but they don't want to invest sort of like what Ricardo Silva is doing right here, uh, buying Poku. And he broke the North America transfer record. And I think a right. lot of people in the media don't understand that. Like I know Taylor Twelman, he tweeted, I think it was right after you guys beat Atlanta United, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, oh, Miami FC, they're like the underdog. I can't believe they won. And I was like, how are they the underdog, right? Like, how? How? The amateur team should be the underdog, not someone that's paying over millions of dollars on transfer fees. Right. This is not a Lincoln City story of the FA Cup where the non-league team from the fifth division is somehow making a run and now playing Arsenal, you know, in the quarterfinals or something. That's not the way it is. Miami FC is a big budget club. It's a, it happens to be a big budget club that plays in a non-salary cap league uh, that just happens to be Division Two. You know, it's a very European-centric club where the owner's going to spend money and get the guys that he thinks fits his system well as long as the technical director, and he's going to spare no expense to win the league. It, it's a very European mindset of a team. And you can't fault them for that. You can't fault them for having the money. And you know, and a lot of it is just lack of knowledge or lack of understanding. I, listen, a lot of these mainstream media guys and Fox Sports and over at MLS and ESPN, they don't follow lower division soccer. And if they do, they're following very minimal USL coverage. They, a lot of these guys realistically don't follow the NASL. They don't really know the ins and outs of the league. Yeah, it seems like the underdog story, but the last time that Miami was not favored in an Open Cup match was against Orlando. They were a 4-1 to underdog in that match, uh, and they beat Orlando 3-1. to So after that, that's opened the bookmakers' uh, eyes. It's opened up the Vegas eyes where, you know, I don't. I think they were the favorite against Atlanta United once the rosters came out, and the big three for Atlanta did not play. Um, and I know that they are currently the favorite against FC Cincinnati in terms of the odds of the bookmakers. So, you know, if we play the Red Bulls, will we be the underdogs? Um, probably. I would say betting-wise, we probably would be the underdogs um, in terms of name and experience and things like that. But this team is not an underdog. This team has – it would love to carry the story. It would love to be labeled as one, and it is a Cinderella-style run. But nothing about this team is second here. Nothing. Yeah, I give so much props to Miami FC. I don't want you guys to beat us this weekend. I don't want you guys to ruin our party. I think it's like wing night at MCU Park or something like that. Uh, so don't ruin that at all. What's your score prediction for the match? I think, again, like I said earlier, it's going to be very telling as to how the rust breaks down and who the starting 11 is. If the A team is played uh, by Miami FC and, and they were playing full 90s, I'm sorry to spoil it. I think this game maybe ends 2-1 uh, Miami uh, up in Brooklyn, and then we take another three points away. Because it does, doesn't seem like we can beat you guys at home that often, so got to get the points on the road uh, as much as you can. I remember last season at Hofstra, 
there was some Miami FC supporters traveling and they had their smoke coming out and then the security <laughs> chased them out. Um, are we going to see, not the smoke, but are we going to see any supporters in our stadium? I, I don't know. I don't think there's any uh, supporters group contingent going up and coming back. And I think the big issue with that has been that, you know, their Cincinnati game is in a couple of days' time. So any trip to New York would have been a very quick weekend, go and come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the big the big deal was that we had a couple of players. Or we, we Obviously, Robert Baggio Casera is from New York City. Uh, went down with a season-ending knee injury earlier on in the spring season. So had he been playing, you would probably see a strong contingent, you know, family and friends of that player and maybe one or two others. Uh, but I don't know. It might be a very heavy uh, New York Cosmos kind of night in terms of attendance. That should be good. That should be good. Fill up 7,000 seats of Cosmos supporters. We don't want to see any of the enemies, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> FC Cincinnati supporters drive all the way to Miami. That's insane. That's a long trip. Yeah, it's huge, man. They, they We were told that they had over 200 tickets sold uh, at one point, and then the number apparently was a little bit larger. Um, but the, the only verified number we had was over 200 supporters came down uh, for that game that got ranked out. So, <laughs> you know, listen, it's in the best interest that hopefully they don't reschedule and they don't come back Miami FC hopefully gave those fans refunds uh, and didn't entice them to come back because you know that game will probably have about 10,000 12,000 people at it uh, hopefully a little bit more um, but yeah, as long as it's a 100% pro Miami crowd and you don't have a group of people making it a little bit like the home game there for Cincinnati you know that's all the team can ask for there yeah, just try to bring them back for a NASL match. Say, okay, yeah, we can't let you come for the U.S. Open Cup match, but you can come when we host uh, the New York Cosmos if you want. Yeah, <laughs> that would be hilarious. You know how much hate they would get? They hate Man, me already. It, supporters there. So with the NASL, like it doesn't matter really what any team does, short of you know maybe short of maybe winning the Concacaf Champions League. There's just going to be hate left and right, and I think no matter how you feel about one team's, you know, supporting group or, or, or another. Uh, at the end of the day, we're all kind of a band of brothers amongst the hate towards the league in general. And we just kind of all deal with it uh, on an individual perspective. But we know that every supporters group and that every team and every, you know, media outlet that covers an NASL team, you know, in general, deals with that and deals with kind of like that cynicism of the upper leagues and the U.S. Law. Yeah, I got so much hate on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but I tweeted from the First Team Podcast Twitter account, and I said uh, the because the Cosmos play Valencia and FC Cincinnati play Valencia. So I wrote the Cosmos beat Valencia to nothing, and FC Cincinnati lost to nothing. They think they're a much better team, <laughs> and I got so much hate <laughs> on that. But it was just banter. You know what I mean? It was just like joking around, having a great time. And you get called, you're an idiot, you, you don't know what a friendly is, you don't understand soccer. And uh, I'm like, welcome to the internet. Welcome to the internet. It's one of those situations where, you know, I've been lucky enough to be on some Cincinnati programs and, and talk about the game that didn't happen. And I'm assuming we'll be talking about the game that happens in a couple of days. And there are a bunch of good people. There are a bunch of good people, the ones I've talked to. But, you know, you have 30,000 fans showing up at these games, and you have some Ryan Apples amongst the 30,000 fans and some that are a little more sensitive than others. So unless you say their team is the best thing since sliced bread, they're going to get mad. And there's nothing that either of us can do about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of their club at all because the thing I don't like, right, is that if you can draw 30,000 people, 
like everyone talks about them cool. Yeah, because they're doing something cool, right? But mm -hmm. that doesn't make them a better club than someone else. So like Miami FC, they're doing well. But I remember when that match was supposed to be played, everyone was like, oh, they wish it was played in Cincinnati so it could be on national TV. I mean, you know what, though? A lot of it is very self-perspective, and yeah. they want, they're going to write the narrative to fit their club. Mm -hmm. And I think there's no harm in that. There's no fault in that because I think many supporters of Miami FC and many supporters of New York Cosmos will write a narrative in order to fit the best perspective of their clubs as well. But at the same time, what, what hurts me about that Valencia friendly with Cincinnati is this, this rematch of the Open Club game should have been taking place today. It should have been tonight or should have been at some point, either yeah. yesterday or tomorrow, and we're recording on the 26th of July. So, you know, that game should have been played before the Cosmos match. Cincinnati booked the Valencia match, and obviously it's been booked for weeks and months ahead of time. But, you know, if you're not going to trust the best players for that game, you should have played this game this week against Miami then. So that's kind of my that's kind of my perspective. If the argument's going to be you brought in a team from La Liga and you didn't dress your best guys against them, yeah, yeah. you know, why didn't you play this match against us this week? Because there's no point for Miami to possibly have to play four games in 14 days because you scheduled a friendly against somebody else. When I was talking to you on Twitter... They were like, uh, okay, it's postponed. And then they were like, oh, we don't know when we're going to play it. And I'm like, when? Like, maybe a week or two right. later? No, August 2nd, right? And I'm like, why? Why so well, late? The USL schedule, the USL schedule is crazy. Uh, the USL schedule, I mean, they had so, I think they had played 15 matches in 40 days prior to that original match day. So that's insane. Like, it's great for a club. Oh, I'm sorry, it's great for a fan perspective, but it's terrible for the club. It's terrible for management of players and things of that nature. You guys are playing a game roughly every three or four days. That's insane. Uh, you know, but that's the way USL schedules, and that's the league they're in. Uh, they should have been able to move some fixtures because this game could have been played last Saturday during everybody's quote-unquote off-season here in the NESL. I'm sure the date was offered, and I'm sure they declined because they had a USL fixture, and I'm sure that this, you know, today's date, the 26th of July, was offered, or some day close to it was offered, and I'm sure they declined because, you know, they said we have to play Valencia on a Monday. I don't know. These are all assumptions in my head, but, you know, somehow this game got pushed to August 2nd, and, you know, within the Open Cup and the U.S. Federation, you have to replay this game within a certain time period, and August 2nd, to my knowledge, was outside of that time period. So, you know, I think Cincinnati got the best of the deal because they got out of Miami with a team that's not their best without a loss. They get they got to pick the date of their choice that was best for them. Um, you know, and at some point, you know, Miami maybe should have stuck to their guns and said, hey, like, this is the day we have to play, and if you don't want to show up, don't show up. Yeah, take the forfeit. We go play the Rebels. <laughs> Nobody wants to forfeit, but I mean, at some point, in my case, when the way I look at this deal and the way it happened, yeah. you know, Cincinnati got the everything they could have asked for and more out of it. So it, it irks me as, you know, somebody who covers Miami FC and, and somebody whose allegiance falls with this club. Um, but, you know, what can you do? Yeah, when you put it like that, FC Cincinnati was like, okay, cool. They won the spring season. They have a week off. That's not play them then because they're really good. <laughs> that's let them rest for two weeks and then they have to play the Cosmos and they will play them then. And it's like, oh God, come on. Right? It's crazy. <laughs> exactly. 
it, it's crazy. It's crazy. But we'll see. Um, you know, again, it all comes down to the appointment, and we'll see what happens. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Just tell everyone where to follow you guys on Twitter and listen to your show. Absolutely. So uh, our show, Magic City Soccer, is on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just throw that into your search engine and you will find it. Our brand new website, you can reach that magiccity.soccer or magiccitysoccer.co. Follow us on Twitter at Magic City Soccer, Facebook, Magic City Soccer, um, and you'll have the links to all of our individual hosts. I can't do it without those guys, though. You know, much love to uh, Drew Hausman at it's Hausman as well on Twitter, and uh, my other co-host Matthew Bunch, Matt Matthew S. Bunch on Twitter. Yeah, I think I talked to Matthew once before um, on the show. So, uh, yeah, I think he was on here. So they're all a good group of guys, and you know, I can't do it myself. Uh, and you know, they definitely get a lot of the credit. I just happen to have a lot of the time to get to do these things. <laughs> yeah, it's always great talking to you, Omar. Really appreciate it, and uh, please beat. FC Cincinnati, and then go beat the Red Bulls, and then go in the final and try to beat someone there. And I would love to see yeah, Miami FC in the, the CONCACAF Champions uh, League. It'd be great. Yeah, make a call to the club and make sure that they don't injure anybody this weekend. <laughs> there are no sliding tackles here at the Cosmos game. No, the Cosmos players can't slide tackle anybody. Talk the Cosmos. Make sure that they don't go you know, studs up on anyone. We'll be fine. Come on. It's, it's a very competitive <laughs> match. We have to win. We can't just mess around and say, we'll give you the win. Come fair on. enough, fair enough. Okay, thanks again, Omar. <laughs> Have a great one, man. Thanks to Omar for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Let's look ahead to the weekend, week one of the NASL fall season. We have Cosmos hosting Miami FC. I'm going to go with a Cosmos 1-0 victory. It's going to be tight. I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals. Hopefully, the Cosmos can get the three points like we talked about with Omar. They have a midweek match in the U.S. Open Cup against FC Cincinnati. So maybe they won't be taking this one too seriously. Maybe they will. Maybe they would want to put their stars out there in the beginning and try to take them off in the second half. It's going to be interesting to see what Nesta does in this match. North Carolina FC are hosting Puerto Rico FC at 7.30 p.m. this Saturday. I'm going to go with a draw here, a 1-1 draw. On Sunday, we have two matches, FC Edmonton, are hosting Indy 11 at 4 p.m. I'm going to go with a Indy 11 victory 1-0. And the last match on Sunday at 6 p.m. is Jacksonville Armada FC hosting the San Francisco Deltas. The Armada have been doing well this season. They were league-owned. Now they have been bought by a local owner. I'm going to go with a Armada victory here 2-1. Let's move on to the topic of Ricardo Silva. He walked into MLS headquarters and offered them $4 billion for 10 years. He wanted... The broadcast rights for MLS, NASL, and USL. And the last point he made was that they needed to implement promotion and relegation. So let's go through that again. They need to implement ProRel. And Ricardo Silva, if that was to happen, he would offer them $4 billion for 10 years of broadcast rights. So what he would do, and that's what his business is, MP and Silva, is that he buys broadcasting rights and he sells them to international broadcasters. So, for example, say he buys MLS broadcasting rights and he would sell them abroad. Say he buys the NASL, sells them abroad. 
that's what he does with his business. That's what he offered to MLS. They said no, but then they came out with a quote saying that they can't talk to another party because they're under contract with uh, Univision, with ESPN, and other broadcasters. And they have a window, those current broadcasters that are under contract with MLS. They have a chance to try to get the rights in the future. So they have this window where they can negotiate. What MLS said to Ricardo Silva was that we can't even consider your offer because our current broadcasters have the right at the end of the contract to negotiate with MLS. But when you go deep in on the offer and you ask yourself, why did Ricardo Silva do this? We're never really going to know why he personally did it. Did he actually believe that MLS would say yes? Every single soccer supporter outside of MLS knew that they would say no. But as a league, how could you reject $4 billion? $4 billion, how can you reject that? When I saw that, I was like, if they would have said yes, soccer in this country would have changed. Would have changed massively. That would mean that every single player in the top fight, their contracts would go up massively. Because that would mean that every single club would receive more money. They were saying $400 million every single season. The teams going down would get parachute payments. So Ricardo Silva, he actually thought this all through and put an offer to MLS. And now the conversation is starting today about ProRel. In mainstream media, they're spreading the word. I googled promotion and relegation USA. And you see media outlets worldwide that would never talk about U.S. soccer. MLS media personalities, media outlets are talking about this. Are they being fair about it? Probably not. But it's one thing having the news, having the headline out there. So I think that's the impact of this deal. That people know that the supporters, lower division owners want promotion and relegation. They want change in U.S. soccer. And people always put it off and say, well, we're not ready yet. The lower divisions don't have stadiums. These are arguments that people are putting across on social media. Or the NASL is not fully populated yet. Or this league is not good enough. That league doesn't have their infrastructure, doesn't have this resource. Ricardo Silva said, when your current contract expires, not today, we're not going to have ProRel today or tomorrow, but when your contract expires, let's implement ProRel. And the best part about that is that if they would have said yes, we could have worked together as stakeholders in this country, Major League Soccer, NASL, USL, MPSL, PDL. We could have all worked together and said, what do we have to do to open the pyramid? What has to happen? And we could have had debates. We could have had conversations all together as one. But by MLS saying no and saying that we can't talk to Mr. Silva, then that shows that they're not the good people in U.S. soccer. But Ricardo Silva has to have a plan B. It's not working with Major League Soccer. It's this alternative pyramid, NASL Division One and Peter Wilt's League and the MPSL as the lower divisions in this pyramid. Peter Wilt, he's creating the National Independent Soccer Association, and their goal is to bring teams from amateur, from semi-pro, and to make them professional. And they're going to launch in the spring of 2018, and they have a plan. You can go check out their website, and you can read all about it. Their website is nisaofficial.com. And their goal is to one day work with NASL, work with MPSL, and have this alternative pyramid. Have this pyramid where NASL is number one, is Division One, 
and they're working with other leagues to open the pyramid. And that's the most exciting thing. If Ricardo Silva, and I've seen this argument on Twitter over the past 24 hours, why can't Ricardo Silva invest $4 billion in something else? Maybe not go to MLS and say, can we create ProRail tomorrow? Why can't he do this? Why can't he do that? Why can't he invest that in the NASL? Why can't he invest that in creating ProRail without MLS? And I think that's the thing that he has to do. Because Major League Soccer, they're never going to understand what you're saying. They're never going to understand the impact of what ProRail does. They don't want to think about it. I don't think Don Garber sits down with people at MLS HQ to talk about ProRail. They don't see the benefit of it. It improves your league. They're only going to see that when the other leagues work together to create ProRail. But this is not a problem that we have to figure out tomorrow or next week or this offseason. And that's the beauty of it, that there is a conversation. In the past, it's always been, it's never going to happen 10, 20 years from now. That's when it's going to happen. But if you actually think about it, 10, 20 years from now, it's always going to be pushed to the side. 10 years from now, it's going to be, oh, 20 years from now. 20 years, okay, 20 more years. It's always going to be pushed to the side. MLS is going to get bigger. They're going to get richer. And the NASL, USL, and the semi-pro and amateur teams are going to struggle because there is no way to grow, to become a bigger club, to get more revenue for your club so you could be successful. Across the world, in England, clubs have the chance to get promoted based on merit, not on paying two, $300 million. Not everyone has that money. Not every single market can be a major league soccer market. You can have the smallest town, the smallest city in the United States become a first division club. But based on performance, not based on who has the most money. I think it's great that Ricardo Silva put the bid in. It starts a conversation. Mainstream personalities are going to talk about it. And it's great that the conversation is just starting. But hopefully it continues. Hopefully we work together. I don't want to see people saying bad things to someone because they don't agree with them. Let's sit down, have a conversation, have a debate about what has to happen. How do we create this alternative pyramid like Peter Wilt is talking about? His league, National Independent Soccer Association, Pro-Rel with NASL Division 1, the NISA, and the MPSL. So I want to know your thoughts on that. You can email the show, First Team Pod. That's first team pod at gmail.com. So let's just end the show with our listener questions. We have two listener questions, and you can always send them in using the hashtag AskTheFirstTeam. So we have two questions from Jordan Jacobson. Uh, his Twitter handle is USA underscore SC underscore fam. The first question is, do the new Cosmos pieces plus Arango have what it takes to beat Miami. Yeah, I do. I think the pieces of Lucky, Juan Arango, Kobe, our new Israeli midfielder, he did a great spin move against uh, Valencia. I think if we can have these pieces into the squad like we had against Valencia, and I think that's great that they got minutes outside of the NASL. And I was so mad that Lucky didn't get a run out against Valencia. That was a chance for Lucky to get a couple of minutes playing with the Cosmos in a match that's not a very competitive match in the league, in the U.S. Open Cup, in whatever competition that we take really seriously. That's a problem that I had against Valencia. But going back to your question, Jordan, I think with our pieces plus Arango and the current core that we have, 
I think we have what it takes to beat Miami. The last question comes from Jordan Jacobson. Now what's the team's best 11? So I'm going to go with my own formation here. I'm going to go with a 4-2-3-1. I don't know what Giovanni Severace is going to play against Miami. I would go with a 4-2-3-1. I would put Maurer in goal. He's our number one goalkeeper. No debate there. Ryan Richter as our right back. Ocheng and Jukovic as the center back pairing. Ayuse as a left back. And the two defensive midfielders, I would put Danny Satella and uh, Javi Marquez. I would love to see Flores get more minutes. And this is just my opinion. You might say Guerra. You might say another midfielder. But I would put Flores as the attacking midfielder. Lucky up front. And the two wingers. And this is where it gets tricky because we don't have Restrepo who would play on the wing. We don't have Khalif Alassane. We got rid of him as well. So on the wing, you could play Menjavar. So that's what I would do. On one wing, I would play Menjavar. And the other, you can play Flores. If you don't play him as the attacking midfielder, uh, you can play Eugene Starikov. You can play Irvan Herrera. The reason why I'm putting forwards on the wing is because they're very fast. They're very dynamic. They're just great players all around, and you want them on the pitch. When Eugene's on the field, he gives defenders so much trouble. So if I was the manager, I would put Eugene on the left wing, put Manjavar on the right, and just go forward with Lucky on top. I think that would be a very powerful uh, team against Miami FC. But I don't know what Giovanni Severese is going to do against Miami FC. He has different tactics. He has different formations that he likes. And he sees the players during training. He might not want to see Irvin Herrera or Flores on the wing. He might get a different player that he sees that's doing so much better than what we see on the match day. So that's the most important part. And I would love to see the Cosmos put out some videos and some clips from training because I know Manchester United, they do that as well. They have MUTV and they put out like 20, 30 minutes of training. That's great because you only watch the team on the weekend and you really don't see the best of certain players that you like. But if you watch training three, four times a week, then you can see what everyone's doing and you can see what's going on on a week-to-week basis. So yeah, that's my starting 11. And I would like to know your thoughts on that. Jordan, you can send it to our email, firstteampod. That's firstteampod at gmail.com. This is the last topic on this week's show. Giovanni Savarese did an interview with a Venezuelan radio station. Tweeted out a quote, and it's so hard to understand what someone's saying on Twitter. You don't understand what they're trying to say. Maybe the translation didn't come across too well. But when you translate it, Giovanni Severici said, this is my last year of contract. I hope to be able to make the jump to the MLS. So a lot of fans on social media thought that was Giovanni Severici done at the end of the season. He's going to walk away. But I've confirmed with the club that that's not true. So what I've been told by the club is that Giovanni Severici never said that he will leave at the end of the season. He was asked on the interview if he would be open to coaching in MLS. According to the club, he always leaves everything open on his future. That's the type of guy he is. Lastly, he's thinking about Miami, not the fall season or what's going to happen in six months. Giovanni Severese is the type of guy that the club is saying. They're not lying to us. They're not just saying this to calm us down. Giovanni Severese always puts his attention to that one week, to that one match. Oh, we have to care for Miami FC. We need to worry about them. We need to take one game at a time. That's what Giovanni Severese always says. He never looks to the future. He never worries about that. So that's the type of manager he is. Will he leave 
for a MLS club at the end of the season? Who knows? Who knows if that's true? But Rocco Camiso has to give Giovanni Severese a contract extension in the middle of the fall season. He has to put it on the table. And if he signs it, if he doesn't sign it, I want the club to come out and say, we've offered our manager, our first manager of the reboot era, a contract, and he didn't want to sign it. He wants to move on at the end of the season, and we have to respect that. Giovanni Savarese, he deserves everything. He deserves the respect, the love from Cosmo supporters. He also deserves a chance to further his career and take that next step. People on Twitter are saying he should go to Liga Emeki. He should go to MLS. Maybe that's a national team. What's the next step for Giovanni Savarese? I don't know. He's worked so hard since day one for the New York Cosmos to take us as far as he can in the U.S. Open Cup, win NASL championships, bring in world-class players. He deserves all the love that he gets from the New York Cosmos supporters, and he does deserve a move up. I don't want to see him leave. I don't want to see him coach a MLS club. It doesn't seem like the right fit Giovanni Savarese being named, being talked about in a different club. But that's the business. That's the world of football, of soccer. People have to move on. People can't stay around for 20 years like uh, Arsene Wenger. The game's different. The game has changed. So if Giovanni Savarese does move on, I wish him the best of luck. But as the club has said, he did not come out in that quote saying that he is going to leave. He was asked if he would like to coach in MLS one day. He always leaves everything open in his future. Thanks to everyone for tuning into this week's show. Thanks to Omar for coming on this week's show as well. Best of luck, Miami FC against FC Cincinnati. Hopefully you guys get past them and host the New York Red Bulls. Beat them as well. I know every single Cosmo supporter listening to the show would say the same thing. You can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at First Team Pod. Check out our website, firstteampod.com. If you have any questions, comments on what we talked about on this week's show, I know it was a very busy show. It was action-packed. So many topics being discussed. If you have anything to comment on, you can email us, firstteampod at firstteampod at gmail.com. So thanks once again, and as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. The Borough Boys, up Bandit Del Cosmos, and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York Street and White. What we bleed, you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo Country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely somethings come and see it in our playing. The fact of it is, the rap from here, attacks, passion, bliss. Reacts, tap, and we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's tag the wing, holding back to the through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Effects Girl, down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you about the views. Like shouting cues aloud to you without them dudes. Around my crews, I'll check that's no excuse. Each session a lesson, it's not about perfection. The work's the test and F's connected like a method. Not breathless after training, something's gotta be corrected. Rushing and acceleration at the start's most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we just begun. Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done.